We're going to be coming out of the 18th Psalm. When you get a chance, I would ask that you would read uh, the entire uh, chapter. We're going to do our best in the time that is allotted to us to uh, go through that chapter. We have a few verses we want to start out with this morning. And it reads, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield and the power that saves me and, and my place of safety. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise. He has saved me from all of my enemies. I have called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. I'm going to talk, teach, and preach from the subject, how is your worship and your praise? How is your worship and your praise? Uh, David, who wrote the 18th Psalm, uh, was a man after God's own heart. He sang many of his prayers to the Lord. David literally composed half of the Psalms. And we need to remember that Psalms are to be sung and not just read. And David was always singing, even when he was in caves hiding to save his own life. He would burst out in song to the Lord. Belinda um, reminds me a lot of times of David. Uh, she seems to always have a song in her heart. And, and she'll burst out in song um, for any reason on any occasion. If something reminds her of something, she will just bust out in a song. And that would be all right if she could sing. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it doesn't matter where she is and what's going on. If she feels it, she's going to let it go. And so she was singing at, at work one day, and somebody faintly recognized the tune she was singing. And they asked her if that was a Prince song, and she said, yes, it was. And they said, why don't you let Prince keep it? Uh, <laughs> but if you think about the law and all he's done for you, is there a time when you just get filled up with so much joy that it wells up on the inside of you and it spills out in singing to the Lord. Whether you're by yourself or whether we come together for worship uh, and we find ourselves as we're thinking and meditating on all that God has done for us and will continue to do that through heartfelt praise of God, we just have to let it out. And so here it is in... This 18th Psalm, David has a lot to teach us about the aspect of prayer and praise. See, for some of us, praise may not be on the top of our priority list, but praise is important to the believer. Westminster Shorter, Shorter puts it this way, the chief end of a man is to God, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And one of the main ways we glorify God is through praise. We get a glimpse through the scriptures of Psalms about praise. 
Psalm is literally the praise book of the Bible. It gives us hundreds of reasons why praise is important. Uh, and we will look at their examples on how to give God in praise. If you ever study the Psalms and you look at the examples of the individuals who are offering a praise to God through song, one thing becomes clear. Uh, it is good to praise the Lord and to make music to his name. Praise is a good thing. It means it is pleasant, it is valuable, and it is morally excellent. We find out in the 147th song, it says, praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. All of this tells us that praise is appropriate for us. When we consider the reasons why we should praise God, we'll find a list of his attributes. They are found in the Psalms. The Psalms tell us that he is full of glory, that he is great, that he is wise and powerful, that he is good and merciful and faithful, that he is the one who saves us. He keeps his promises. He pardons our sin. He provides us daily bread and so much more. And if we would try to list everything that God has done for us, it would be physically impossible. But it's a wonderful exercise because it turns our heart back to him and keep us mindful of all that we owe him. Listen, here, here, you don't believe me? Look, in the Bible on Palm Sunday, when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on the back of a borrowed donkey, the crowd began to, to appraise Jesus, their king. And the Pharisees said, tried to rebuke the people and told them to be quiet. And Jesus said this, that if these folks should be quiet, the rocks will begin to cry out in praise to me. Listen, I just stopped by this morning to tell you I don't need no rocks speaking for me because I can talk for myself. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Jay Moss puts it this way. He said, there is something on the inside of me that, that I can't keep to myself. There's a holler stirring up on the inside from the depths of my soul. So excuse me if I might seem a little giddy or maybe even a little strange, but watch this. Praise is the way I say thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are many people who choose not to praise God even now. But church, I just stopped by this morning to share with you that there is a day coming that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall, shall say and praise to our God his name. There will be those who will be praising God for their salvation they have received, while others will be praising God because their conquered enemy will be heading to an internal punishment for their rejection of God. Listen, praise is a vital part of a surrendered life to God, and it gives credit to where credit is due. Oh, come on now, help me. Listen, in the Psalms, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works for, to the children of men. We ought to give God some praise. David writes in the Psalms uh, that as he served the Lord, as he sang out to the Lord. I want you to think about this for a moment. David is reflecting on all that God has done for him. All of the times that God had rescued him, the times that God had hidden him from his enemy, the times that God had for, forgiven him for his sins. And so David is going to write the 18th song. And the first words that he puts pen to paper says, I love you. I love you. 
See, we don't really get it. We don't really understand what David is saying when he says to the Lord, I love you. This, this 18th Psalm is literally a hallelujah praise to God. As David is on the brink of retiring from the arena of life, he is praising God for all of his deliverance. And he says, I love you here. Listen, the way I love you is probably one of the most overused phrases in the English language. It actually loses some of its importance and its weight when we tell somebody we love them. But listen, the use of David using the phrase, I love you, he's using it in a really intense way. He's actually using it, equating it to the Hebrew word womb. He's equating the love that he has for God is so deep and so intimate, it is like a mother who is carrying an unborn child. Listen, this mother's never been introduced to this child personally. This mother doesn't know what this child looked like. She doesn't know if it's healthy, if it isn't. But all she knows is that there is a connection between her and this thing that is carrying is so profound and so deep that it expresses from the inside out how much she loves this thing that she's never seen. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Listen, we ain't never seen God. We may not have ever heard his voice, but listen, he loved us so much that he sent his son into the world that he might die for our sins. And we ought to have so much love on the inside for what he's done for us that it spills out in praise. And so here it is. David said, I don't only love you, Lord, I recognize who you are in my life. He said, you're my strength. How many of you know the Lord is your strength? That in a time of a storm when you need refuge, help, and strength, it comes from the law. David says, you are my strength. David understood that in order to love God the way that he did, he had to literally come to the end of himself. He said, I can't trust on my own skills and my own uh, knowledge and, and all that God has equipped me. If I'm going to make it through this situation, I'm going to have to know and recognize it is the Lord who is my strength. Oh, I wish I had some help here. Listen, David loved God, Jehovah God, as a regenerated soul, knowing that his entire being owed God love. See, God is love and deserves to be love for his perfection, for his nature, because of the works of his hands, his creative power and providence, in particular for his works of grace, of redemption, and his goodness to us, especially for all he has done for us. But listen, Jesus is love, and it's to be love. He is, a, he is to be loved beyond all creation and all things. We're to love him with a sincerity of heart and all fervent because he first loved us and provided us with the works of grace and redemption that his word and his ordinance and because of his spirit that lives on the inside of us because of his perfection and the operations of his grace as our sanctifier, as our comforter and the fact that he has adopted us and given us his spirit and then we will have the privilege to live with God for all eternity is reason to give him praise. Christ proved his love by his readiness to obey God's will, by his coming down to earth from heaven, 
for the purpose of redemption by his suffering and death and his complete obedience to God. He said in John 14, 31, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world might know I love the Father. David wants to teach us this morning what should be the affections of our true love. He says the first thing we ought to know is the object of our love has to be right. It has to be God. He says, listen, if you want to know what real love is, that we have to love God above nature and things means that we are to love him more than we love the world. That if we're going to know the love of God, we have to know that his love is boundless. There's no end to his love. In fact, we're to know that his love is everlasting. We're to know that the Lord God is our strength, that he assures us victory. For if we know that this because he first loved us and that if we love him, we will have eternal life. The Lord is my strength, David said. And he strengthens all saints and all believers of men's hearts in life and in death. He is the strength of our grace. He gives us strength to bear the cross like he's doing for my sister Cassandra in this season and in this time that, we, that he carries us through every affliction that comes against the enemy of our souls. I want you to notice something, church, in the text. The possessive pronoun that David uses when he talks about his God. Watch this. It's very personal. He said, the Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my Savior and my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. He is the place that I find safety. Is there anybody in here that knows a God that they can say is all their own? He's my God. Yeah, yeah. He is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's my refuge. He's a shield. He's a horn in a high place. The Lord is my God. I want you to notice that all of those things that David mentions about God are literally impenetrable. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Look, he says, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn. He said, he, God is my stronghold. David, watch this. David was an outdoorsman. He lived outdoors. He was a soldier. He knew about war, weapons of war and methods of war. But he thinks he, he's talking and thinking in terms of God and not himself. He said, the Lord is my strength. He, he is the thing that stabilizes me. He's the place that I can go and hide in times of trouble. It goes all the way back to Genesis and Deuteronomy when the fortresses and, and were built in the temple in Jerusalem was in the Mount of Zion as a fortress. The shield speaks of God's protection. It was a symbol of also King's, uh, King David's leadership because he was a shield for uh, Israel. But for David, God was his shield. He talks about God being the horn, the horn of his salvation. It refers to strength, ability, and deliverance. It talks about the, the utility of a horn. So here it is that David is giving God credit. He says in, in Luke 16, 69, he sent us, as a, sent us a mighty savior from the, the royal line of David. 
That's the kind of God that is worthy of our praise. As David begins to celebrate God for his deliverance, David's mind reflects back in the times that God hid him in the woods from his enemy. He remembered the times that God led him to flee into the hills and to hide behind rocks like a fortress, that God was, he was a high tower, uh, was like what the soldiers had made. And God, he thought of God in all of those situations. I don't know about you, but when I think back on what God has done for me, I remember Brother Steve in the Old Testament when people would have an encounter with God in a particular place. What they would begin to do is make a rock out of an altar out of rocks. And every time they came by that place, they were reminded that God had done something really special for them right there. And so they would remember and reflect back on God. So David saw God as a rock. We don't know that we know that God wasn't a rock. But in David's mind, every time he saw a rock, it reminded him of God. And so he saw the rock and God as the same thing. I don't know about you, but there was a place I had an accident in the city of Terre Haute. And every time I drive by that spot, I say, thank you, Lord. He's my rock. Is he your rock? Is he the rock of your salvation? Is he the foundation in which you stand on in the midst of a storm? It ain't like sand. It won't be washed away in times of trouble. He is my rock. Hallelujah. And so every experience David had in nature, it reminded him of God. Experiencing God as a rock merely means being aware of the solid foundation that underlines our reality in every circumstance. That in every trial we might face, the God of Israel, the living God, the one that deserves to be exalted, will be there in the midst of our storms. I'm convinced the reason that David was called a man after God's own heart because he was a man of praise. To be a people of praise, David is trying to teach us that we must come to the end of ourselves, that we must know that we can't rely on our own strength and our own power as good as they might be. The second thing he tries to teach us to be a people of praise, we must flee to an all-sufficient God as our refuge. The third thing he tries to teach us, if we're going to be a people of praise, that we must express in song gratitude for God who is our Savior. Are you with me? And you will find all three of these elements contained in many of the Psalms. Many of the psalmists were under attack in difficult situations and in their distress, they called out to the Lord to deliver them. They would literally burst forth in song and praise. We will find in the study of the Psalms that they are intensely life-related. Every emotion, every up and down is reflected in the book of Psalms. John Calvin says it this way. The Psalms are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. He added, for in them is not every emotion which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented in a mirror. To appreciate what David had been through, we need to recall just a little bit about David's background. See, David was a good kid. He was obedient and conscientious when he took care of his dad's sheep. David didn't get drunk or do drugs or put things on Facebook or tweeted out stuff that would embarrass his parents. 
Uh, see, David had so much faith as a teenager, he had more faith than anybody in Saul's army. It allowed him to beat the giant and kill the giant, Goliath. See, we're not talking about an ordinary average kid. See, David is what we might call a choice kid. But watch this. Even though David was anointed king in his teenagers, it was 30 years old before he took uh, his place on the throne, but that was just the southern kingdom of Israel. It wasn't until he was 37 years old that he became the king of all of Israel and united them under God's rule. See, but it was during those years that God was shaping his man through adversity. He was putting David in situation after situation where he despaired for his own life because David had to learn to trust God and God alone. And for over the decades, the merciless King Saul pursued David all over Judea's wilderness. So much so that David said this in the, in, in the scriptures. He said, there is hardly a step between me and death as he lived in caves and constantly on the move to, to, to avoid Saul's relentless pursuit. See, watch this. God was enlarging David's trials and used them to enlarge David. See, David wasn't perfect, but neither are you and I. But he was a man after God's own heart. And so God takes time to prepare his servants. He took 13 years for Joshua, 40 years for Moses, 40 years for Joseph. David had to learn about himself during those years of exile. It literally helped him to become the man that God wanted him to be. See, God revealed that David was a great would be a great warrior, but he was also a compassionate leader and a godly man. David felt like during those years that he could never let down or relax, not even a moment. You're talking about being stressed out. David would have been and should have been and could have been stressed out. But what David learned as he was running from his enemy, that God would be his refuge and his stronghold in a time of trouble. And so here it is. David had to learn to come to the end of himself. And God had to teach us that because if we don't learn to stop trusting in ourselves, we can never learn to trust the loving God. And so he has to bring us into impossible situation after situation where there is no humanly way out. And the only way that, that we can get out is that God has to do something miraculous because, listen, watch this, hear me, that look, the greater the trial, the greater our praise when God delivers us. Listen, listen, okay, here it is. I'm in the text. In verses 4 and 5, David is describing a man who is in tumultuous waters. And the weeds and the vines in the water began to wrap around the man. So much so that the man can't break free. And so in that moment of terror, all this man could think is that I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it. Watch this. He's now at the end of himself. He knows there's nothing in his own power that he can do to extricate himself out of this situation. It's a lesson we must all learn in coming to God. We cannot save ourselves. We must call out to God and then he will save us. And after he saves us, we have an obligation to offer our praises to our God. Watch this. I'm in the text. 
in verses 4 and 6, God gives a man of a picture who is, who is hemmed in. He's in a tight place. He's cornered in on every side. He is trapped. He is bound in a cord. He is in the water to drown. And God acts on his behalf. Watch this. In order to be a people of praise, we must flee to God, our all-sufficient refuge. Here it is in the text, verse 6. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. I like the fact that he put yes in there, like, yeah, I really did. Yes. I prayed to my God for help. Oh, I love this. And he heard me in his sanctuary. My cries reached his ears. And he's going to talk about the majesty and the power of God in the midst of a storm. Watch this. In the text 7 through 13. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountain shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured out of his nostrils. Flames leaped out of his mouth, glowing uh, embers ablaze from him. He opened the heavens and came down. A dark clouds were beneath his feet. He mounted angelic, mighty angelic beings. He flew soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness. His veil approached with dark rain and cloud. The thick cloud shielded his brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and the burning coals. Watch this. He's a mighty God who cares for us. Here it is in the text, verse 16. He reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of the deep water. He rescued me. He rescued me from my powerful enemies and from all of those who hated me. And we are too, that were too strong for me. He said, they attacked me. Oh, I was, they attacked me at the moment when I was in distress. Oh, watch God. And he led me to a place of safety. And he rescued me. And he delighted in me. That's right. Praise his holy and divine name. See, we need to know, as David knew, we need to know without a doubt that in times of stress, we're to flee to God and trust him as a refuge in the midst of intense trouble. David wants us to understand three things if we're to give God praise. He says we must know who God is. We can't trust him or flee to refuge to God if we don't know who he is. David knew God in a particular and a personal way. If we want to be able to flee to God, we must know him. We, we must know his attributes or they, as they are revealed in his word in times of trial. But watch this, and you know this to be true. Satan invariably tries to shake your confidence in the goodness of the Lord. And he will come to you in the midst of trouble and whisper in your ear and says, if your God is so powerful, 
Why is he letting you go through this horrible trial? But if our minds are fixed on God, who we know we can flee to is our all-sufficient refuge, he will protect us from our enemy. The second thing he wants us to know is that we must know how God acts. See, he talks about God and his awesome power as he rescued the man from drowning, that he defeated all of his enemies. God responded to David's cry. And so David begins to celebrate and thank God that he came to rescue him in the form of a storm to give David victory. But watch this, David knew who rescued him. He didn't say, wow, I sure am lucky that a storm showed up just in time to defeat my enemies. David said, no, I know the only way I was delivered from this, pe- this situation was by God's strength. Amen. See, God will use nature to rescue you. He will violate the principles of nature to rescue your life. All you got to do is look at the evening news when a, a, a terrific uh, earthquake happens around the world and folks are literally left alive with tons of rebel on, rubble on top of them. God will violate the, the, the very acts of nature for his children. So David is clear. The Lord is my refuge. Watch this. I'm going to show you how clear it is. As you look at the text, verses 27 through 30, he says to this to God in the psalm. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the pride. You light, a, you, lamp, you light a lamp for me. The Lord, my God, lights up my darkness. In your strength, I crush armies. With God, all things are possible. Watch this. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord promises, oh, hear me, church. All of the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. He enabled me to stand on the mountain heights. David said, you got to know God. This is the third thing that we must know and trust God exponentially. Look, this wasn't no theoretical uh, theology for David. David knew in a real and practical way how to low, or hold, excuse me, hang, hold on to God in the midst of a despicable situation. And so David wants us to know that we must be like him. We must be a man of prayer. And we must cry out to God in verses 3 and 6. David used the word cry which speaks of the fervency in which he cried out to God to help him. And then he says that we must know what the word of God says, for it is through the word of God that we know through many examples that if trusting God in difficult situations, he can rescue us. Watch what he says in the text. I have followed all of his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. And the Lord rewarded me for doing right. He rescued me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not turned 
from my God to follow evil. David isn't comparing himself with God because we know nobody in his sight is righteous but with his enemies. See, we don't follow God. We don't always acknowledge him despite our sinfulness. David repeatedly uh, acknowledges that God had to integrate him with strength that came only for him and not ourselves. In verse 24, watch this. The Lord rewards me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. David is saying what Scripture affirms, that our assurance comes through obedience to God and his word. Watch this in the text. In verse 30, God's way is perfect. All the Lord promises proves true. He is the shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the law? Who but God is a solid rock. God's arms meet with strength. He's what makes me perfect. You have given me, given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. You helped me. And it, and it made me great. He said, you widen the path for me that my feet won't slip. And then as I go on and close the text, finally, the third thing that David wants us to understand to be a people of praise, we must express in song our gratitude for God and his salvation. David expresses gratitude to God by writing songs. But even if you can't write a song, even if you can't sing well, we can express our feelings to God by simply making a joyful noise unto him. Remember what Jesus, the son of David, did for us. He stepped down to come a servant and to die for our sins. And because David was submitted to the law, he could trust him and his authority. And he helped David ascend to the throne. But David understood that he was on the throne only through the authority of God. I'm in the text, verse 43. Watch this. You gave me victory over my enemy, my accusers. You anointed me ruler over a nation of people. I don't even know who served me. Listen, I don't want you to miss this intense emotion that David is bursting forth. He started out by saying, I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord of my strength. He ends in a crescendo of praise to God. In genuine prayer, that involves emotions. I don't know how often you feel the love of the Lord and appreciate what he's done for you. But if you can't praise God, 
for all that he's done and all that he's doing in your life. Listen, something's wrong in your spiritual life. God is to be glorified. We must worship him. Watch what David did in the text. As he looks back over his life and his ministry to give God praise. Watch verse 46. He said, the Lord lives. Praise to my rock, my God, my salvation to be exalted. He rescued me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. Oh Lord, I will praise you. I will sing your praises to your name. Why? Because you've given me great victories. You've shown me your unfailing love. As you anointed me. Listen, I hear you. I know it. Listen, preacher, you just don't understand. I'm not a very emotional person. Can I go with you to your favorite sporting event? In the fourth quarter when your team's behind. And they come back to win the game. Are you really not emotional? Or only when it comes to God? Listen. Today's a day. That salvation has come to this house. And if you don't know the Lord in the pardons of your sins, today is the day that you can know this God. Who is your all-sufficient refuge. And you can be like David when you think about how he's rescued you, how he saved you out of all of your circumstances. You can say, I love you. can't do it on my own strength I can't do it in my own power he's rescued me time and time again he's literally saved me from myself and I had to learn (laughs) I'm a big guy I'm 6'3 and well over 300 but listen there's stuff I can't do in my own strength it comes from the law If you'll just surrender your life to him, ah, he'll take it. He says, Lo, I stand at the door and I knock. And whomsoever shall answer, I'll come in and sup with you and be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If there's one, you can come to this altar and we'll help you Go through the steps of faith to be saved. Maybe you've been struggling and you need somebody to come into covenant prayer with you and just partner up with you and grab your hand and touch your shoulder and pray with you that God is your true and complete refuge and strength in the time of a storm. God is able. Anybody know him in here to be able? Hallelujah. Glory to his name. As the praise man sings, the doors of the church are open. The invitation has been extended. You don't have to leave here the way you came. 